Good morning. Good to see everybody today. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. For those of you who do not know me, I want to welcome everybody to church today. I want to welcome everybody that's watching us online right now. Thank you so much for tuning in and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. All right. We are in a series called Gather before we jump into that this morning. Um, it is our busy season as a church, really from January to May-ish, right before summer. And so uh, if you call Passionate Life Church your home church, if you could do us a big favor and park downstairs to leave the uh, upper parking a uh, lot open for our guests and our new people, but also, uh, you know, families that have young kids and people that have uh, difficulty walking far. Because I don't want to say elderly, because some of you elderly can outrun me, okay? So I don't want to say that. I don't want to offend anybody. Um, but just, just during this season, if you could do that, open up some spots uh, upstairs in our upper parking lot. Uh, just, man, we just really want to welcome uh, our guests and let them have a great experience. Man, this is already your church, and so if you could park downstairs uh, and get some more cardio on Sunday. Come on, somebody. <laughs> uh, hey, it's also our baptism uh, day uh, after second service. Um, we've got like 15, uh, 15 or 16 people getting baptized today. Um, man, God is just moving in this church, and, and just, man, a lot of people are getting saved and baptized, and it's awesome. And so... Uh, if you want to be part of that, we're going to start around 12 o'clock today, so you can go home, get something to eat, and then come back, and, and we'll do it around 12 o'clock. It's going to be a really awesome experience. Uh, Kelly Borger is going to be prophesying over each one and kind of giving them a, a, a word to take with, uh, you know, after going public with a relationship with Jesus. So it's just a, a powerful time. If you've never been to one or you're brand new to, to Passionate Life Church, it's worth checking out, and, and we just invite the power of the Holy Spirit in it, and it's really a, a, just really a beautiful experience. So I want to invite you to come uh, at 12 o'clock. Come back, okay? Awesome. We, it is the first of the month, and what we try to do on the first of the month uh, is take communion together as a church. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I talked about the importance of communion and doing it publicly and what it means. And so um, I'll be transitioning us into communion as part of our response time today. If you did not get uh, an all-in-one when you came in this morning, you want to take communion with us, I'll make sure you get one. Okay, when we transition into that, I'll have one of our ushers make sure that uh, you get an all-in-one today. Okay, are you ready to hear the word today? Come on. <clears throat> we are in a series called Gather, and it's also the word uh, that the Lord gave us for the year. We've been talking about different definitions of gather. And, and last week we talked about what God is gathering in heaven. Come on. What God is collecting in heaven. And, and so there's different meanings of gather. And today we're going to hit another different meeting today. Um, and, and basically, so my title of my message today is Gather What God Gives, Some Assembly Required. I don't know if you're anything like me, but Ikea is not my friend, okay? I, I avoid things I have to put together, okay, to the point where I'll buy the floor model and jam it into my SUV. Come on, anybody? Like, I just don't like putting things together. But in the kingdom of God, gather what's given, and there's always some assembly required. 
Let's look at the Greek definition that we looked at last week, and then we're going to pray. Episinago means I collect, gather together, assemble. There is that assemble word that we're going to be hitting definition of of a gather today. Come on, let's pray, and then we'll get into God's word today. Father, we thank you for this moment. This is your moment, God. I thank you for every person that is here in this room today, that you call them by name to be here. Father, I thank you for everyone that, that is watching right now online and in on demand, God, that you have called them for this moment to hear this word that you've placed upon my heart. We just come against the enemy's lies right now in Jesus' name. We banish them back to the pit of hell right now. Holy Spirit, we pray that your truth would reign free in our hearts and our minds in this moment. And God, we pray that we would draw just a little bit closer to you this morning. Father, get me out of the way. None of me and all of you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen Amen and amen. Many times God will use something physical to get our attention spiritually. Many times he'll use something in, in our physical bodies or in our physical world to get our attention on something spiritual. And one of the things that God loves to use is hunger. Being hungry can make us do things that we wouldn't normally do. There's that Snickers commercial. You guys remember that one? The hangry, you turn into Betty White or, you know what I mean? Like, it's true, right? Like, when you're hangry, you will say some things that you wouldn't normally say. But uh, I'm, I'm talking about being really hungry, famished, starved. When you are in that type of mindset, when your physical body is going through those things, you will do things that you wouldn't normally do. Most of us wouldn't go steal food. But if you were hungry or your children were hungry, you would, do, you would do that. You'd do something that you wouldn't normally do. And many times God uses something like that spiritually to get us to do something that we wouldn't normally do. He uses our hunger. God wants us to stay hunger for, hungry for Him so much so that there is a blessing attached to our hunger. Because what hunger can also do, hunger can humble us. Hunger can humble us and get us to do things that we wouldn't normally do. If you are really hungry, if you are really struggling, some of you would go to a soup kitchen. You wouldn't normally go to a soup kitchen, but you would go if you were hungry enough. You would go to a food bank. If you were hungry enough, you would go to a food bank or, or, or Sign up for government assistance if you were hungry enough. And that takes humility. A lot of those things take humility. So hunger humbles us. Hunger gets us to do things that we wouldn't normally do. And that's why God, man, He desires us to be hungry. And what He does is He attaches a blessing to our hunger. Matthew 5, 4-7. And this is Jesus' famous uh, sermon called the Sermon of the Beatitudes, the Sermon of the Mount, and he says this, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Okay, let's go back to 
that last passage. Blessed are those who hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. They will be blessed and they will be filled. If you are hungry for the things of God, you will be blessed and you will be filled. There is a blessing attached to our hunger. We've been talking uh, about the prodigal son uh, several weeks. It's just kind of been a theme that, that, that's been popping up, right, o- over the last couple of weeks. And our Friday night fire, uh, uh, worship night, I, I, we had so many people, almost everybody put a prodigal son uh, on the cross. We just, just really believe that there's a prodigal son uh, and daughter movement that is happening not only in our church but across the land as God sweeps revival uh, across America. And that's what we're praying for. That's what we're believing for. We believe the first movement is the prodigal son. And so we, we look at the story of the prodigal, right? We've been looking at that and, and talking uh, about that. We see that the prodigal, one of the reasons, and, and probably one of the main reasons why he goes back to the father's house is because he's hungry. He, he is physically hungry, and, he, and he's sitting in a pig pen, looking at, at the pig's food, the, the slop, and thinking, I should probably eat that. But that, that garbage is kind of looking good. Now, I grew up on a farm, and we had pigs for a while. I, and I don't know if you've ever seen pig food, but it's disgusting garbage. It, it, it's literally everything that you would throw out, like, like you know, uh, Apple cores and, and banana peels and, and, and you know uh, corn on the cob with with no corn on it. Do you know what I mean? It's just like it's just garbage. And, and, and this is what happens, guys. If this is what happens, because we can hunger for the wrong things. We can hunger for the things of the world. And when we hunger for the things of this world, we start thinking garbage looks good. And now we just did a 21 days of, uh, of prayer and fasting, right? And, and so we're, we're, we're getting rid of that decent, that man, we get so desensitized, right, to the things of this world and we're just consuming. And there's just something that happens when you fast and pray and you break away from this garbage and, and you try to go watch it again or listen to it again. You're kind of like, oh, like, wait a minute, what was I thinking? Like, this is gross. It made me feel gross, right? You can hunger for whatever you want to hunger for. Okay, and that's what's going to fill you. And that's why God says, man, I will bless you if you hunger for righteousness. I will bless you and fill you with good things. So today, we're, we're, for the rest of our time, we're, we're going to look at um, this story in, in Exodus and God's people and how he uses their hunger to provide a miracle for them. Exodus 16, 1 through 5. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam, and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifth day of the second month, okay, after they had come out of Egypt. Okay, they've been out of slavery for two months. Okay, two months. They've been slaves their whole life. They don't know what it's like to have true freedom. Okay? Two months. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. 
dramatic much, okay? Two months, okay? Let's continue. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Okay, so let's just stop there for a moment. Now, they weren't lying about this, okay? This was historic fact. The Egyptians would feed their slaves really well because they wanted them to be healthy, they wanted them to have energy, they wanted them to work all day long. And so they fed them really well. But they were slaves, right? They had no freedom at all. And, and this is what can happen when we focus on the negative in our life. And, and we just get stuck there on everything that's bad and not what, what is good God is doing. And, and we just focus on things that are happening in the news and in culture. We can get stuck. The Israelites are stuck. It's two months in, okay? They're stuck in the negative that is happening to their life to the point where they're acting like 13-year-old teenage girls and complaining two months into a journey, right? The, The Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven. So he he sees that they're hungry, right? And and even though they don't convey their issues appropriately, this is how good our God is. He's merciful. He's graceful. I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. Let's continue. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instruction. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other day. So God is asking them to gather what he has given. Gather what is given. And then he gives them an instruction. Now, the instructions are much more detailed than just this one. He, in, in this passage, he's specifically talking about the Sabbath day. So you you collect two, you know, twice as much as you would, um, so you don't have to work on the Sabbath day, okay? And so these are the daily instructions, and those who collected more than they needed, it actually rotted, okay? It actually rotted, worms got into it, and it was no good. And so um, that is part of the instruction. But that's not, when we read through this, it's important to know the whole instruction that God actually gave his people. Because I think many of us have this image that uh, in the morning, right, they would run out and there's literally Krispy Kreme donuts everywhere, you know, and, and it's just like, you know, I got my dozen, right? Like the red light is on, come on, hot and ready in the morning, right? And they're going and, and, and they're picking up these, you know, donuts, uh, you know, or they're, they're running out and, and picking up Debbie cakes, come on, somebody. Those zebra cakes, man, those were my favorite. Some zebra cake. Running out getting zebra cakes and, and, and Krispy Kreme donuts. The red light is on. Let's go pick it up. That is not how it was at all. But, but I think we get this mindset that they're just running out like they're going to King Supers and picking up a loaf of bread, right? Numbers 11, 7 through 9 actually gives us the full picture of what God was actually asking them to do. The manna looked like small coriander seeds, and it was pale yellow, 
like gum resin. The people would go out and gather it from the ground. Gather what God has given. They made flour by grinding it with hand mills or pounding it in, a mo- in mortars. Then they boiled it in a pot and made it into flake cakes. These cakes tasted like pastries baked with olive oil. The manna came down on the camp with the dew during the night. Some assembly required. <laughs> I don't like instructions. And maybe it's because I'm a man. Or because I know most things that I have to put together come from China. And the Chinese purposely mess up the instructions. So I'm not giving in to that communist regime. You know what I'm saying? And so I end up putting things together two, three, sometimes four times together. And I think it's just kind of natural we don't really like instructions or we just think, oh, I can just kind of like go through this. You can do it, right? And a lot of times this happens with God too, right? We, we, we want to, okay, I'm on step one, but you know what? I just kind of want to skip, the, you know, can I go to five? Can I just kind of want? There's no, there's no skipping instructions with the Lord, okay? And... Some of you, you're in a place, you're just kind of, you're kind of stuck in this place of the Lord. And what I would challenge you to do today is go back to the last thing the Lord spoke to you. Because He works in order in our life. He really does. He works in order in our life. And we, we can't skip ahead because if you skip ahead, you're, you're going to screw something on backwards. And you're going to have to go back and redo it anyways. And so save time and do it right the first time. Obey His instructions the first time. And, and, and many times what, what God has given us in our life, they look like a bunch of ingredients. And so here's my first question for us today. What ingredients have you gathered? Because we've all gathered ingredients already that God has placed in our lives. What talent, what skills, what resources has God given you all ready? What are you supposed to be working on right now in your life? I remember uh, years, years ago, God was calling me to, and He had already spoken to, to Don and I to, come to Denver, Colorado to, to start a church, and I was uh, in this phase where I felt like the Lord wanted me to write a book, and so I started writing this book, and, and it's a fiction, supernatural thriller book, and, and, and I just love those kind of books, and I believe that the Lord gave me a story, and I'm just writing through this, and I'm about four months in, and I'm realizing that this is really hard, it's really hard. But I really felt like the Lord was calling me to do it. I would wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning 
and write until I went to, to, to work, like, like at 8 or 9 o'clock, and, and just, like, that was my daily grind. And I was just at the point, I'm like, Lord, this is dumb, this is stupid, I'm wasting my time, I do not want to do this any longer. Can we move on? What's the next thing? Come on, like, start speaking to me about this church plan, you know, start giving me vision for it. And the Lord refused to answer me. He says, do what I told you to do first. Finish the book. Every time I prayed, I'm serious. He's like, finish the book. I already told you what I want you to do. Finish the book. So I finally finished the book and got it edited and all of that. And uh, just so happened that there was a Christian writers conference here in Denver, Colorado that year. And so that where you could pitch your book to, to all types of, you know, editors and, and, and publishing houses. And, and so like, and we had already known that we we're called here to Denver. And so I was like, okay, great opportunity. This must be, you know, you know, divine intervention with the Lord and, and he's aligning everything up. So uh, I got on the plane, came here. And so I, I went to this conference and I pitched my book to, to different publishers and I got crushed. I mean, destroyed, like, like just rejection after rejection after rejection, and I just remember sitting in my hotel room, and I said, God, what is this? Like, what was the point of the last seven or eight months for me to come here and just get rejected? And I was throwing a tantrum, okay? I was, I was, I was throwing a tantrum before the Lord, and he's just like, are you done yet? Can, can we have a conversation? And I'm like, hang on, let, let me just throw one more pillow, Okay. And he's like, okay. And um, he said, Andrew, I want you to remember this feeling of rejection. I want you to remember this feeling, this low feeling. You've put seven, eight months of time, energy, and effort into this book. And I want you to, to never forget this feeling of rejection because the people that I will bring to my church in Colorado will know that feeling of rejection. And I never want you to lose that. That, 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 that feeling that, that people have gone through a lot of difficulty in their life and they're struggling. And, and, and Passionate Life Church might be their last chance to change their life. And, and listen, guys, we've had several people over the years meet me at the door and, or walk right by me and at the end of the service, they'll walk up to me and they'll tell me, I was going to kill myself today if I didn't encounter God. But I encountered God today. Thank you for introducing me to the love of Jesus. And, and God was like, man, I, what's seven or eight months of your life to teach you a lesson? And I'm like, well, you know, you could have done it like in two days or something. You know? I don't know. But after that, but after that, I came back and God just began to speak vision and next steps in my life. There was a lesson that I needed to learn. The reason why you might be stuck is because there's a lesson that you need to learn. So here's another question for you today. Are you following God's instructions for your life? Are you following God's instructions? Well, pastor, what instructions? This, this book is an instruction manual. But it's 2023. Pastor, like, like, 
We live in a different era. We live in a different culture. Like, are you, how can this book possibly be still relevant? Well, it's possibly still relevant because it wasn't written by people. It was written by God. And, and God never changes. We change. The culture can change. Who cares? God's Word never changes. But sometimes it makes me feel bad. Good. It's supposed to. Because nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. That's why He gives us grace and mercy and, and He loves us first, right? He sends His Son to love us first, to show us what love looks like. Man, God loves us so very much. He loves your lost friends so very much. He loves your prodigals so very much. And yes, this book, it can be difficult to follow. So what? Nobody said, and, and listen, in America, we've got it really good right now. I mean, Canada is a disaster. Like, they're arresting pastors for preaching sin. Like, other places in the world, you go to prison, or you get beaten, or you get killed. Eventually, guys, eventually, it's that, that, is, that persecution will come here. And the church always thrives out of persecution. But we have to practice now... We have to practice now being bold and strong and not caving to the culture and what culture says or, or, or because culture will eventually say that this book is hate speech. And if you don't believe me, go check California because that's coming to the rest of America. And that's not to be like, oh, no, no. We don't, we don't fear. We don't live in... We, we're not scared of that, right? Like, like, when that happens, guess what? Man, God is going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh, and we're going to experience the best that God has for our lives. Gather what God has given. Some assembly required. you got to gather it. Grind it, pound it, boil it, make it, bake it, anoint it with oil for it to be what God intended it to be. Your talent, your gifts, your resources, your life. Come on, you got to gather it. Gather what God has already given you. Yes, they look like ingredients. And some of them are weird. They're like this little gum resin stuff. Weird. Like, what is this, God? Why have you given me this talent? Why have you given me this skill? It might, you might feel like it doesn't fit in. Well, you got to work on it. You, you got to grind it. Come on. You got to pound it. You got to boil it. You got to make it, bake it, anoint it with oil for it to be what God intended. And for, 
some people, some Christians, they will never experience what God has fully placed in them. Because they don't want to assemble what God has already given them. My, uh, I'll leave you with this, and, and then we'll transition into response time today. My sons are really into basketball, and I love it because I love basketball. And uh, I coach a Jews club team, and, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm not a pastor or a parent that will give you artificial compliments. I will encourage you, okay? Encourage my kids. But Jude and Zeke were both talking about, um, you know, they're, they're into basketball, the NBA. And, and like, Dad, and Jude's like, Dad, what team do you think is going to pick me? I said, pick you? I said, is that your goal? Make it to the NBA? He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to be a preacher too, but I want to play in the NBA. I said, hey, let's, let's watch some videos of your favorite player working out. Okay? Steph Curry is his favorite player. And so, watch some videos. Did you know how hard they work? Do you know how much they sacrifice? Not only are they physically gifted and talented, but they work their butts off all of the time. And so, if that is your that's your goal, let's change your goal a little bit, okay? And let's, let's work on being the best player on your team. First. Let's work on being the best player in the league, okay? And so this is what it takes. It takes shooting a thousand shots a week, minimum, okay? You need to get stronger, you need to get faster, you need to work on your physical body, you need to work out, you need to play more basketball. Like right? You need to understand the game. And then next year, it's rinse and repeat. Okay, let's be the best player on our team. Let's be the best player in the league. And let's try to be the best player in the city. Like, that's how God works with us. Right? So many of us are like, Lord, just make me a CEO of a big company. There's steps that, that you need to take. Like, get off the couch. Stop eating Doritos and binge-watching Netflix, okay? If you're called to be a CEO and start your own company, then do it. Like, work towards it. Gather what God has given and start putting those things together and God will bless it. He will fill your life. And just maybe your life will turn out a little bit different than you thought. Right? Because many times, man, when we're going down this path of the Lord, it doesn't look like we think it should look. And when we submit our way to God's way, it is the best way. Gather what God has given. He's already placed things in your life. Okay? Start looking at some of the ingredients that God has placed in your life. Start putting them together. Okay, yes, it takes hard work to work on something, but I'm telling you right now, it is so worth it when we hunger for the things of God 
and it doesn't matter what you do for money. Man, God will bless it if your heart is hungering for the things of God. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Maybe you'd say this morning, Pastor, I've never said yes to Jesus. And so that's the first thing I need to gather today. I need to gather God. I need to gather the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you've drifted from the truth and you've, man, gone away, but you're here today and you're ready to recommit your life to Jesus. You're ready to gather Jesus into your life again. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you today, just slip up your hand. I'm not going to make you do anything embarrassing. This is between you and the Lord today. Come on, just slip it up and just put it down. Yep, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Yep, this is between you and God. This is your personal declaration of faith. Thank you, Jesus. I would just ask that this morning you'd repeat this prayer as we help those making the greatest decision of life today. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. And I ask this morning that you would forgive me of all my sins. That you would come into my life and be my Lord and King. And from this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give them a hand clap today. Heaven is rejoicing.